Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Hey, Merry Christmas, Lifehouse. Turn to somebody right now. Give them a high five. Say, it is here. It is here. Merry Christmas. We've been waiting. We've been anticipating. There's some little kids right now. They're just jumping up and down. There's some big kids just jumping up and down right now. And we are here to celebrate Jesus. We are here to celebrate the birth of Christ. And I know we celebrate that in all kinds of ways. Uh, some of you will go home and eat with family. You'll give gifts and do all those things. But we have been all month long, we have been talking about Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And we've really talked about the hope that is in Jesus. Hope for real is really what we've entitled it. And, and um, after preaching about this whole idea of hope and the idea of Jesus Christ and, and really using that phrase quite a bit, hope for real, I realize that you can say that phrase a couple different ways, and it changes the meaning. How many know it's not always what you say, but it's how you say it? Amen? Come on, say it to your neighbor right now. It's not always about what you say, it's how you say it. Some of you need to say that to someone right now, all right? It's not about what you say all the time, it's how you say it. And, and you can do that with uh, hope for real, right? And you can say that enthusiastically. You can say, man, it is about the hope of Jesus Christ. It is hope for real. And, and that's exciting. Or you can even say that kind of in a question form. Right? You can say, well, that's hope. For real? Right? Come on, you can do that. You can say it in different ways. You can even do it with a sarcastic twist. Now, look at a teenager right now, right? You can do it with an eye roll, right? You can say, hope? For real? Come on, roll your eyes. I can't even do it as good well as a teenager can. It comes natural for them. I don't know what it is. Right? You can say it a lot of different ways, but I'm here to tell you enthusiastically and without reservation that Jesus is the hope. He is the light of the world. Um, this time of year, really, this Christmas season, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, it is hope. And, and um, I'm going to preach out of Luke chapter 2, and those couple paragraphs, honestly, when I read Luke chapter 2, Sometimes I almost feel like it doesn't do it enough justice, right? It tells the simple story of Jesus' birth, but there are miracles wrapped up in Luke chapter 2. There is, there is hope wrapped up in Luke chapter 2. And if you read through it too quickly, and if you go by too fast, you will miss the incredible story of Jesus Christ. And it is hope for real. And when you read Luke chapter 2, there's no exaggeration. There's no drama, right? There's no, no big effects, but it is is no joke. It is complete hope in Christ. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and head to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look up at the screens, and we're going to put those up there. I was just looking to make sure nothing's catching on fire. We're all good. And we're going to pray a little bit. Uh, I like to pray over God's Word before we read it, and I want to pray over the Word of God. You ready to pray with me? Amen. Let's just pray, pray and bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, God, that is life and it is light to us. And Lord, I pray that you would just guide us, direct us tonight. Lord God, may your word penetrate our hearts and our minds and speak to us as we hear about the greatest story ever told, and that's about Jesus. And we just give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. 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 Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and it says this, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Serenius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. One paragraph. Joseph, Mary, right? Jesus. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, now Mary's still pregnant with Jesus, travel 80 plus miles by foot or by donkey. The word of God doesn't tell us. Uh, to this little nowhere town called Bethlehem. And after a long, tough journey, uh, they find that there's not a decent place uh, to rest. There's not a decent place to sleep. There's no motels. There's no hotels. There's no Airbnbs that are available, right? There's no heated living spaces uh, of any kind. There's not a room. There's not even a corner of a room where they can rest, let alone have a baby. And in this humble place, all there is is just a cold and probably very overcrowded stable where animals are eating, where they're sleeping, and how many know they're doing some other smelly things in that stable, right? That's where they're at. And it is in this humble place that Jesus, the Savior of the world, is born. No parades, no fanfare, no public announcements, right? It didn't even make the local news, right, that evening. It's just this quiet, lowly stable in a silent night. And the only big announcement on that quiet night is to a group of very unlikely people, some shepherds that are nearby in a field. And, and they're watching sheep by night, and they're, uh, they're unlikely but somehow fitting in all this because Jesus would be known as the good shepherd, and we would be known as his sheep. And, and the good shepherd would speak, and we would hear his voice. But that was it. That was the announcement. It was to a group of couple shepherds out in a nearby field. And it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch of their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, say suddenly. And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. This small group of shepherds witness a grand heavenly announcement that Jesus is born, that the Messiah is here, that uh, the Savior of all mankind has come. And it starts off with one angel. It starts with one angel standing before them. And I want you to really get this picture this evening. I don't want to just gloss over this. So I'm getting, I'm, how many of you have ever worked as a shepherd before? That's what I thought. Okay, zero, zip, none of you. Okay, one, I saw a hand in the back. Awesome, I want to talk to you afterwards. Um, but most of us haven't. So you're going to have to use your imagination. And I really want you to see this. So work with me on this. I can't see some of you in the back. I'm just going to take your word for, my, my word for it and your word for it that you're going to close your eyes. But I'm going to ask you to do something unusual. I want you just to close your eyes. And I want you to picture what's taking place here. Uh, I want you to picture these shepherds in the field. In your field, you can make it any way you want. And it's night. And one angel shows up. 
The word of God says he comes to announce, and the glory of the Lord, it begins to light up, right? The angel lights it up. And honestly, it freaks out the shepherds. Just keep your eyes closed. It freaks them out. They get scared. They don't know if it's a ghost. They don't know if it's an aberration of some kind. They don't know if it's their imagination gone wild. And they're seeing this angel, and this angel's making an announcement. And they don't know what to think. They're maybe even too rattled to think. But this angel comes and says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to all people. Good news for everyone. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find the babe in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. The angel tells him why he's there, what is happening. Keep your eyes closed just a few more minutes. How to find who he's announcing. Then to completely convince them that this announcement is legit, it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So just to seal the deal, as your eyes are closed, the announcement of the angel lights it up, but all of a sudden the heavens open up. All of a sudden, these couple shepherds get a glimpse into the heavenlies. They get a glimpse into the kingdom of God. They get a glimpse of all the heavenly hosts celebrating, probably millions of angels, celebrating the, the plan, the birth of Jesus Christ for all of mankind. Now I want you to open your eyes. And suddenly, it goes all dark again. Can you imagine? I can see them there talking to one there. Did you see that? Did you hear that? They're probably pinching themselves. They probably thought they died, right? They probably pinched each other. Pinch somebody beside you right now. Go ahead and do it. All right? I want to make sure everybody's awake. All right? They probably did. And when they regained their senses, they got, I can see them all saying, we got to go, right? We got to go. We got to go see this thing that the angel said. And and probably one of them, because there's always one, said, no, we got to stay and watch the sheep, right? They voted them down. I know it. It isn't in the Bible, but I know it happened, right? And they all went. And and I don't know about you, but if this was some of us, if we were out at a campfire somewhere at night, and there were a few of us in the field, and and all of a sudden an angel appeared and began to speak to us, and then the light began to shine, and the sky lit up, and all of a sudden everything rolled back, and you got a glimpse into heaven. And, and, you know, maybe a voice came and said, this is your imagination working here, all right? And, and the voice said, go to Philadelphia, because God's going to show you something. How many know as soon as that thing closed up, we'd be like, let's go, road trip, right? <laughs> I would. I know somebody would, and somebody would be like, no, I'm not going to Philly. But I'd be like, let's go. Let's get in the car. Let's go. And they do that. They beeline to Bethlehem. It says this in 16. It says, then they came with haste found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard, seen, and was told to them. Those shepherds went and found Jesus, just like the angels said. They meet the Son of God. They witness the son of God for their, their selves. And they are convinced, they're convinced that they just ran into hope for real. They didn't need a long theological discussion, right? They didn't need months of discussing how they felt about the whole experience. They just ran to the hope of the world. And in the middle of the night in a barn, they knew that they just met the Messiah. He was a baby. He couldn't talk to him yet. He couldn't convince them of everything, of anything at all. And they knew They were standing before the the Messiah. 
They knew that it was God's son. And they were ready to tell everyone. And it's in those convincing moments that change everything for the shepherds that Christmas. It was, their, it was the convincing that moved them to the conviction. It was the convincing in their lives from the angel, from meeting and being in front of Jesus that moves them to the conviction of following through and telling people about Jesus. Because the word of God says, as soon as they left that place, they began to tell everybody they ran into. They began to go into the countryside and they began to tell. It is the convincing. They leave that stable and tell everyone they meet about Jesus, about an infant who was born and is about to change everything in the world. Is going to give hope to all of mankind. And here's what I'm convinced of. We don't talk about, we don't brag about, right? What we're not convinced is real. We don't go and testify about anything that's not impacted us personally. And that's big or small. It doesn't matter if it's large or little in nature. And if you're caught, how many coffee lovers we got in the house? You should be a hot chocolate lover, man. They got an amazing bar out there, hot chocolate bar. But if you're a coffee lover, you know, and you visit a coffee shop, and then you go into this coffee shop for the first time, and in your opinion, it's the best coffee you've ever tasted. It's, it's, the, it's the best thing that's ever touched your lips. It's laying on your taste buds, and all you want to do is testify. That's how good it is, all right? You're convinced that they've got some kind of secret blend that nobody else has. You're sure it's the best in the world. And you're, not, you're so convinced that you get conviction in your heart. And the next day, you're standing in line at Sheets to get a coffee, and you, st- and you don't even know the person standing beside you. You're, you're going to tell them, you know what? I know this is okay coffee, but if you want an amazing drink of coffee, let me tell you where to go, right? It's when you're convinced that it moves to the conviction. And that's what happened to these shepherds. They ran smack into Jesus. They run right into the hope of the world, and they know it's for real. It's hope for real. And they go tell everybody. They go everywhere they can. And this idea of being personally convinced and it moving to conviction and, and you telling somebody, uh, you know, it, it, it stuck with me. And as I, as I began to think about it, another scripture began to come to mind. And, and I, I started thinking about another place in scripture where you kind of see this kind of thing unfold. And, and it's in Matthew 16, 13. And Jesus isn't a baby here. Jesus has, he's grown man. Jesus is doing ministry. He's, he, a matter of fact, he's doing ministry in different places. And he's gathered 12 men around him who are training to bring the hope of the world, the, the message of the gospel to others. And, and, and as he's doing this, though, they're not quite convinced who Jesus is yet. And, and Jesus says this in Matthew 16, 13. He says, then Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, or Caesarea Philippi. Now, this is about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, and asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He's putting the question to his 12 trainees that they're, 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 they're going to be the ones who are going to take the gospel over the world. And he says, Who do men, who do, who do people say that I am? So they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. People aren't sure who Jesus is yet, right? They know he's preaching. They know he's teaching. They know he's healing. And his disciples answered Jesus' question, and they've heard the rumors. They've heard people talking, and they're telling Jesus, some of, you, some of them think you're a teacher. Some of them think you're a preacher. Some of you think you're a healer, right? Some of them think you're a prophet, uh, you know, and they're, they're telling all these things because they're, 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 they're using what they know, right? 
But none of these people were there when Jesus was born. None of them have seen angels. None of them have spoke to any of the shepherds. And even if they did speak to the shepherds, they maybe wouldn't believe them, right? So they don't really know who Jesus is yet. And they're drawing conclusions. They're speculating based on some other observation that they made or something that they heard about the prophets before. And some think he's John the Baptist, right? They, I don't know if they believe that John the Baptist was reincarnated, or, I don't, or maybe they just think he was like John the Baptist. Some say he's a prophet like Elijah because they're seeing the miracles, and Elijah had performed miracles. People were comparing Jesus to other holy men that they knew and read about and spoke about. Sometimes people do that now. They make speculations about Jesus. What they think about, they base it on something that they, they've seen or know, or, or, or something they've heard before. And, and they'll, they'll think things like, well, maybe he was just a great historical figure, right? Who teaches great moral ideas, like love your enemy as yourself, or, or do good to those who despitefully use you, or take care of the orphan and the widow and the stranger, right? Or he's symbolic, especially this time of year, of love and forgiveness and of hope and goodwill towards all men. And, and, you know, uh, or some people, it's just the thought of Jesus makes them feel good. It just makes them feel good. Or, or, you know, he's just part of the Christmas spirit. You got Santa Claus here and Jesus over here, right? He's just part of that whole deal. But Jesus asked the men that are closest to him, he says, who do, now listen to what he says to his men. In verse 15, he, he, Jesus, said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound um, on earth, will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Peter figures it out. Peter gets convinced, just like those shepherds, that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the Messiah, that he is God's Son. And, and, and the Word of God says that the Father reveals this to Peter, and he tells Jesus face to face, you are the Christ, you are God's Son, you are Savior of the world. And as I thought about this, it's easy for those shepherds, wasn't it? It was easy for those shepherds to figure it out. They, they saw the heavens open up. They had an angel come and stand before them. And, and they witnessed all of heaven rejoicing about Jesus. And then they probably saw things they couldn't adequately put into words. And, and I think if any of us probably would have been with those shepherds, if we'd have had an angel come and speak to us, if we'd have seen the heavens open up, we'd have probably been pretty convinced, right? And, 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 but Peter, now we got Peter. And Peter doesn't have the legion of angels. He doesn't have a, 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 the heavens open up for him, right? Or one angel talk to him. But he does have Jesus standing in front of him, physically. See, Peter witnessed Jesus break bread and, and take a few loaves of bread and fish and feed 5,000 people one time and 4,000 the next. Peter was the one who, who saw Jesus walking on the water, and he said, bid me to come. And he steps out of a boat, and he walks on the water, at least for a little while, getting to Jesus. Peter experienced these things. He would see Jesus heal the sick. He would see diseased people healed. He would see the lame walk. He would even witness those who were dead come to life. 
and he would witness it with his own wife, his own eyes. And Peter and the disciples had plenty to convince them that Jesus, because they physically walked with him for real. But what about us? What about us? Most of us haven't had an angelic announcement of some kind, right? Uh, maybe some of you have. You can tell me about that later. But most of us haven't had an angel come and announce things. None of us uh, that I know of have walked personally. You'd be really old at this point. Walked personally with Jesus, right? You, I, I don't, anybody walk on water this week? Yeah, me neither, right? We didn't walk on water out to Jesus. We didn't see him open physically, see this, open bl- blinded eyes, heal the sick and call Lazarus out of the grave. We didn't watch him confound the scholars and, and baffle those who were supposedly the greatest minds of that time. We didn't see any of that. So how are we convinced that Jesus is the hope of the world for real? To the point of conviction, right? Convincing and conviction. Well, Jesus and the Father had a plan for this. They made provision in spectacular fashion. And they made sure that we would be convinced and that we would be convicted to the point where we would tell others that we would know his power. And it's not from angels for most of us. And we can't go back into history and walk beside Jesus physically and and witness his miracles. But Jesus said this right before he left. He rose from the grave. He paid the price for all our sin. And and he came into power and glory. And right before he left his disciples, he laid out the plan for all the rest of us. It says this in John 16, 5. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrows filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now listen to this. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus said, it's going to be good for you if I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will speak, uh, will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. On this most holy day, this most holy night, Jesus can be as real to you as those who witnessed the angels, the heavens open up, and watched him physically heal and and do amazing miracles. Actually, we have the advantage. We have the advantage. Because it's not a one-time angelic visit for us. It's not a one-time, one-shot deal where we see and witness something. Jesus said, if you believe in me, I will send my Holy Spirit to be with you. He will dwell with you. He will walk with you. And you, he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify my name. That's what he said, right? And what I know, I will speak to him and he will speak it to you. That is the spirit of Christmas. I hear the world all the time, right? They get around Christmas time. They can't figure it out. They, they hear all this goodwill and cheer. And, and they're just like, man, there's just something different in the air. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. 
celebrate, right? Come on. And it is him. It is him. And Jesus said, it can be yours. And if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he is with you. The world can't explain it. They don't understand it. I'm going to ask if you'd stand. I'm going to ask them. We've got a special coming right now. Father and daughter coming to play and sing. Nick and River. And we're going to have others who are going to be coming around with the lighter. I don't know if you know this or not, but in Scripture, and I couldn't think of anything more fitting than this for a candlelight service, but in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is represented by fire. The Word of God, uh, you, you can read it in Acts chapter 2, but the Holy Spirit is represented by fire. And it's the Holy Spirit who will speak to you. It's the Holy Spirit who will speak things to come in your life. How many, how many, all, we all want to know what's coming up, right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit, if you ask him sometime, not all the time, but sometimes he'll bump you. He'll give you some direction about the future. And the word of God declares, it, when Jesus walked the earth, John the Baptist, it, it was talked about with John the Baptist that he would come and baptize people with water. Jesus said, it was spoke about Jesus that he would come and baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit. And as they get ready to play and to sing, and I want you to sing with them, I want you to pray. I want you to look at that flame because this was God's plan. When Jesus left, he said, I will not leave you alone. And you're not going to get a one-shot deal. You're not going to have an angel just show up one time. You're not going to see a miracle just one time, but the Holy Spirit will literally be with you. <laughs> I, I call him, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to the, to the Holy Spirit, this, but he's kind of a personal coach to you. He's a personal trainer that walks alongside of you. He's a holy one, but he comes and walks beside you. Amen? Amen. Listen to the music and watch that flame.
When I was preparing this message um, this week, uh, early in the week, I, I went to a coffee shop. Sometimes I do that when I want to write. And uh, I kind of like the background noise and that white noise, and I, I get focused. And I went to this small coffee shop, and there, I went early when they were just opening, and, and um, there was just one other couple in there. It was a younger couple, and I say younger, they were in their 20s. I'm older, so that's really young to me. But they were, they were in their 20s, and they were across the shop. They were the whole way across the shop. They were the only ones in there other than the barista. And, and I got, uh, got a coffee, and, and they were over there just very quietly talking to one another. Couldn't, couldn't really hear them, just a little chatter. They were um, chatting with one another. And I was just scrolling away on my, my computer. I'm typing away, and, and I'm, I'm working on this message. And, and I got to the part, and, and I was thinking about those shepherds, right? And I was thinking about the angels showing up, and I, and I just had typed, those shepherds were freaking out. Right? I just like, they had to be freaking out. And I had not heard any conversation the entire time. And all of a sudden, that woman, two seconds after I typed that, says, they were freaking out. And that was all I heard. And I'm like, <laughs> it was the whole, and the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, are you still convinced? They had no idea they were just speaking to me. He was letting me know, I'm here. I'm with you. And two seconds after I typed it, he just tapped me on the shoulder and he said, are you still convinced? And while the world around me had no idea that God was speaking to me, he was speaking. And that's how it works. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will come to you. Amen? If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can. The Word of God says if you believe that He is the Son of the living God, if you believe that He came to forgive us of our sins because sin separated us from God, and, and, he's, and, and if you believe that in your heart and you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, and I commit today to follow you. Stop, I'm going to stop following what I, 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 the way I want to live, and I'm going to start following if you, you today. If that's you, that's all you have to do is you have to pray that and mean it. That's it. And the word of God says you will be saved and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and he will begin to guide you and direct you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads one last time. This is going to be a final prayer. And if you said, uh, if you want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm, I'm going to ask everybody just keep your eyes closed because this is a personal thing. If that's you and you want Jesus in your life tonight for the very first time, just raise your hand up, put, a, put your hand up, put it right back down. I'm not going to call you out. This is just you recognizing that, and I'm going to pray with you in a moment. That's all I'm going to do. Give you just a second. If that's you, just please raise your hand, put it up, put it right back down, and that's all that's going to take place because this is going to be a prayer between you and Jesus. Thank you. Church, hear the Spirit of God through this Christmas season. Hear Him speaking to you. If you're saved and you know Jesus, let Him tap you on the shoulder somewhere along the way because He will. Father, I come to you today. I thank you for each person in the house. God, who took time, God, on this Christmas Eve to come and lift up your name and to worship you. And I pray that your hand would be upon them. And God, that their ears would be open. And God, that you would speak to them. God, in the daytime and in the evening and Lord, at the noontime and Lord, just somewhere along the way. God, they'd hear your voice. And God, you'd tap them on the shoulder one more time. And Lord, they would know and they would be convinced and they would be convicted to speak about the one who is hope for real. And God, I pray that your hand goes upon each family. Your blessing would be upon them. And Lord, we just lift up and give you glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this message.
Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.